Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Empty set. Huskers pitch it off out of that to Maurice Washington in the 15, 10, 5. He's in touchdown. Maurice Washington from the Jeff series takes the inside pitch from Martinez, rips off the right side and finds Pater, and Nebraska has him, sells a touchdown here in the first quarter. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Get fired up to head out on the road again. Huskers getting set to travel to Champaign, Illinois, to take on the Fighting Illini Saturday night football to open up Big Ten play. This will be fun. It'll be exciting. I know this team is anxious to get out there and start feeling good on road games to build that part of the resume up a little bit. We'll talk about a lot of Husker football on the program tonight. Head coach Scott Frost met with the media late this morning after the Huskers walk through today. We'll hear some of the things he reported or he didn't report during that. Did not want to talk about injuries, even though God bless those reporters. They tried. They tried to get him banned to slip up. He wasn't having any of it. Yeah, you're not going to pull a fast one on him on injuries. <laughs> Maybe about something else, just not injuries. Not injuries. So, so no definite information about Brendan Hymas or Cam Tater-Britt, the two young men who got hurt in last week's game. My gut tells me Hymas is going to play tater Brett, probably not, but we'll see. And uh, we'll have the head coach in studio in hour number two. It's our Nebraska Football Radio Hour. And head coach Scott Frost will be here to take your calls, comments, questions in hour number two. So get them ready. Get them loaded. We have not had him in here since the season started. Had him in there a couple of days before the South Alabama game, but uh, not since. So this will be his second appearance of the year. Looking forward to having him here in hour number two. Third hour of the show, Thursday night, Teddy Greenstein. Chicago Tribune stops by. He had a chance to see the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame last week. They have a big matchup coming up Saturday against Georgia, and he's also getting ready to cover the Northwestern Michigan State game this weekend. Uh, we'll talk about those and a lot of things with Teddy coming up in hour number three. I had a chance to, to uh, catch up with Illinois play-by-play man Brian Barnhart. We'll get his take about the Illini start to this season, a 2-1 and record out of the gate, and about his thoughts about starting conference play for Lovey Smith in year number four, um, it is year four. That's a big year for coaches trying to put a program back together, Ben. And I, I don't – I'm sure Illinois fans, they've been patient to this point. Lovey really went with the youth movement in years two and three, hoping that it would start to pay off now. And I think that they showed some signs against Akron and UConn. But you, you got to beat a MAC team at home. That, that's a win you've got to get when you're Illinois trying to build it and try to get yourself close to a, a bowl position at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's just you, one of those games that on paper, if you're going to make a bowl, you have to win. And unfortunately for them, they didn't. That's that's kind of their mo. You know, there are a lot of teams that are having trouble making it out of non-conference play unscathed nebraska's been one of them in recent years yeah uh but you know you, you think you have a little momentum going in your program you're two and oh you have a chance to go perfect in the non-con and then find a way to get three in the in the conference season when well, let's be honest your coach is on the hot seat uh that's that's not a game that is going to make you feel real good and um, you know, I'm just hoping that they don't have the type of bounce back that Nebraska did after Colorado. Nine games tends to favor 
home home teams they're going to throw the gates open and let the students come in for free Saturday night hoping to get a better student attendance to their games that puzzles me when you have a student enrollment of about 50,000 you can't get more than a couple thousand students to come to the gate that's odd to me what else are you doing on a Saturday night in Champaign Champaign's not like downtown Chicago no there's a there's a bit of a difference between downtown Champaign downtown Chicago but that's their issue we certainly don't have that issue here so we'll hear from Brian coming up in hour number three big news late this afternoon on the recruiting front for the Big Red as they pick up their 11th commitment for the 2020 class Four-star defensive back Henry Gray, who was in town last weekend out of Miami, Florida, commits to Nebraska. This is a big, this is a big hit. Henry Gray, now a Husker. Yeah, six foot one, hundred eighty pounder, the who's who of of offers offer sheet. I mean, you go look on his profile and Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia. I mean, and anybody that he were anywhere he wanted to go to school is on the table for him. And, you know, I was scrolling through his Twitter uh, after the commitment and uh, went down a ways and found his top eight. Nebraska wasn't even on there. And, you know, to get a, an official visit at, from him was huge. And then to show him what Nebraska is all about, both, you know, on the field, in the classroom and everything this, this university has to offer. We've heard that so many times from coaches. If we can just get them on campus, Nebraska can be a game changer. And in this case, it was. And. Um, you know, according to some reports, he really wants to commit in December. So Nebraska just needs to hold his commitment for about three months before he's officially <laughs> added to the roster. He has canceled a visit to Florida. He was supposed to go to Florida this weekend. He called them and said he's not coming, that he was ready to commit to Nebraska after being here over the weekend. There were a handful of visitors last weekend. In fact, we're going to have Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com join us also later in this hour. He was a late add to our lineup tonight. Just to kind of get the rundown, not only on Gray, his thoughts about that, but about the rest of the visitors that were here last weekend, any movement with them. And and next weekend is setting up to be a really big weekend for recruiting. You, you knew it would be. It's the, the prime game on the schedule with Ohio State being here. We now know it's a night game. We kind of felt all fall that it was going to be a night game, and it officially is going to be a 6.30 kick next Saturday against Ohio State. So we'll get the, the latest from Nate about who is at least tentatively planning on being in Lincoln for the Ohio State game and also just get his thoughts about Henry Gray. So 11 commitments in a class that – Right now, probably is going to be right around 20. So you're just past the halfway point. And as you mentioned, and this is, we need, we probably should put this with every time we get into a recruiting talk. These kids are just committing. They don't sign. They can't sign until December. And so that's a long time to hold this. There'll be twists and turns. There'll be kids that probably jump off. There'll be kids that leave other programs to come to Nebraska. It just, that's what, that's how it happens. It happened last year with Wandale Robinson. Well, and just look at Gray's situation. He was committed already to Miami for about three months, uh, decommitted, and uh, as, and took other visits. And, and obviously choosing Nebraska when they're not even on their top eight. Like, every situation is different. And you better believe that just because Gray pledged his commitment to Nebraska doesn't mean other coaches are going to shut down the line of communication to him. If anything, it might make them – pursue him even harder and uh you know i think that that's worrisome but at the same time 
you can't expect anything different. And and Nebraska's coaches certainly didn't do that with Wandale. You brought mentioned Wandale just because he committed to Kentucky doesn't mean that they stopped the relationship that they had with him. And ultimately, Wandale chose Nebraska. So I think uh, every situation's fluid. And and the one thing that comforts me a little bit is knowing that Nebraska, when they when they get it, a kid to commit or show interest in a kid that the relationship is very important to them. And I think that's definitely going to help. Um, that's definitely going to help them. Also, uh, we had a very short show last night. We turned the network over to Husker Volleyball. What an atmosphere at the Devaney Center last night. Number one, Nebraska. Number two, Stanford. And Stanford was coming off of a loss over the weekend. They went back to a classic at Penn State and got beat by Minnesota. But they're, they're the favorites to win this whole thing. It's a senior-dominated team. They are the defending national champions. Nebraska's still young in this season, and I, I hope Husker volleyball fans aren't hanging their heads too much because that's that's a team to beat, and you did take a set from them, and you know Nebraska's going to keep getting better as the months go by here as this young team grows up some more. Well, and it, to be honest, the, the rankings, I know that Nebraska was one and Stanford was two because Stanford had lost, and so – by default, Nebraska bumps up to the one spot. The voting was actually still pretty close yeah. for the number one ranking. And they showed the graphic last night on TV about the, the stretch of games that Stanford had, was playing, Penn State and Minnesota and Texas. I mean, they were playing the who's who of of college volleyball. And to make it out of that you know, with one loss is pretty good. And I think Stanford got a little test of what the Big Ten's all about by playing Penn State, Minnesota, and Nebraska uh, welcome to our world. Yeah, uh, and and so I think that that was good. But Stanford was by far the more experienced team. What they say last night: ninety or ninety-one percent of the kills in the national championship match was back. back. And Nebraska loses, you know, two All-Americans and Michaela Fecky and Kenzie Maloney and don't have a single senior on their roster. So it truly was, you know, youth versus experienced. And you know, I thought they hung in pretty well. Stanford made some incredible defensive plays and had some lucky serves and you know ultimately Catherine Plummer was just too much but you know I wouldn't be disappointed at all with the effort and coach Cook thought they played their best match and and now those those girls know what it's going to take to to raise the trophy at the end they have to they have to raise their game to that level and beat them if if that's if that's what they want to do at the end of the year Oscars back on the court Saturday Wichita State at the Devaney Center that is a three o'clock first serve as they want to get that match in before the football game that night time for tonight's practice report every practice we're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it all season long there's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself and i think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it it's time for a husker football practice report on sports nightly Practice reports brought to you by JTEC Construction. Time to replace your roof called JTEC, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. For a free estimate, JTEC Construction is a family owned company with locations in Lincoln, Omaha, and Grand Island. Head coach Scott Frost meeting with members of the media today following the Thursday workout and just started out by telling us what the week of practice was like. We had a really good week. Um, I think the guys are learning how to prepare to get themselves ready to do the best they can in games, and uh, every week seems to be getting a little better. Suppose the goal, right? I mean, p- 
get better each week. Practice like you play. Right. And I think we've seen that. The Huskers were better at Colorado than they were the week before. They were better last week against Northern Illinois. You hope that trend continues to roll along as the season moves on. One of the things that has stuck out to this coaching staff and made made a point this week is the improvements that Illinois has made as a team from last year to this year. Coach Frost elaborated a bit on that. I, I think they're an improved team. Um, obviously, their coaching staff knows what they're doing. Um, defensively, I think they plugged up some of the holes that we exploited last year. They're not giving up uh, big plays like they did last year. Um, they're better up front. I think the secondary looks faster. Uh, offensively, uh, they do some creative things. I think they got good players doing them. Uh, so I think they're an improved team. And I think we've gotten better. I think they've gotten better. So uh, we'll see how the chips fall and see who's, who's improved the most. Another uh, positive for this team has been forcing turnovers and, and being able to get after the ball. And, you know, the other part to that is putting yourself in advantageous situations to allow that to happen. One of the things that allows that to happen is Nebraska being so successful in the running game. Here's the head coach talking about being able to generate turnovers after uh, slowing the opponent's running game down. Yeah, we talk about turnovers all the time. Um, one of the keys to turnovers is is getting people behind the sticks by stopping the run and um, making them do some other things. And there's more turnovers, obviously, on pass plays than there are run plays. Um, so, so stopping the run is, is kind of the beginning point for all that. Running the ball on offense is kind of the beginning point for all that. So uh, we need to do well at the line of scrimmage. Tackles for lost. Last week was double digits. Huskers have been kind of in that double digit. That, that's Those are big. Those negative plays, particularly on first down, if you can put somebody, get them behind schedule, make it second and 12, those are big time things. And Nebraska's doing a better job of getting some tackles for losses, at least for the first three weeks. And the other, the other part, the turnover part, um, once this offense starts clicking on all cylinders, it becomes a possession game. Sure does. The, the more times Nebraska gets the ball, the better you feel about them scoring right. and, and putting a team away. You know, that's that was the talk about South Alabama, not getting the ball until halfway through the third quarter. They have most of the they ate most of the, through the third quarter, and yeah. Nebraska was only able to run 17 plays in that half. Speaking of Nebraska's defense, they have been on the field a lot, and uh, among the the nation's most terms of snap count the most out there for nebraska they're in the top five of most defended plays uh in the country coach frost talked about that and the amount of plays that his defense has had to see yeah it, it's been higher than i want it to be um part of it's been good with the big plays part of it's been bad with lack of execution and uh, having quick drives on offense uh, so we need to find a balance there every team i've ever coached the defense has to stop a lot of a lot of plays and, and has to be on the field quite a bit because of the nature of our offense but I think it's been higher than we want right now that is part of playing in this scheme is the defense is going to bear some responsibility of of chewing up a lot of the game clock Northern Illinois had 81 snaps Nebraska 65 Nebraska wins the game by 30 some points but 81 snaps is a bunch it is especially you talk about the accumulation of it now Nebraska is going to have a couple bye weeks this year which help. is a huge benefit but at the same time, that, that, that number of snap counts will wear you down after a 12-game stretch. Back to the improvements that Nebraska has made, and he's uh, Coach Frost went further into what, in particular, Nebraska has improved on. I think it's improving. You know, 
people discount and sound like think it's coach speak maybe, but our, our goal is to be better than we were yesterday. Um, and if you could take a step back from it, and I do as a coach, uh, there's no doubt all last year we were improving, and I don't think there's any doubt we've improved every week this year. Um, if we stay on that path, good things are going to happen. Um, not every time, not all the time, but as long as we keep improving, um, run game, pass game, anything, we're going to be happy with where we are. And that was in regards to the running game. You know, what improvements has he seen in the running game? And that, that's something that, that that's going to be under the microscope, and it always is under Nebraska. You know, how, how well are they running the football, and how much pressure is that taking off the passing game? And they're going to face an Illinois team, Ben, that's been pretty good against the run through three games. They're averaging – they're only allowing about 80 yards per game. So that'll be a key. Can Nebraska – can they win that battle? Can they get the running game going against the defense that's been pretty good defending it? A point that has been brought up a lot in recent years by callers and fans of the program has been Nebraska's development of players and how there have been a, a lot and, and perhaps too many players that are just as good – uh, on the field when they leave as they are when they first step on campus and not a lot of player development happening. Uh, Coach Frost addressed that and, and his successes in, in developing players and not just his but Nebraska's back when he was playing uh, the the ability to develop players. It's going great you know all these pieces have to come together. Um, when I was at playing at Nebraska I think the thing that Nebraska did better than anybody else in the country is we developed people. Um, Regardless of how talented a kid was when they came in, by the time they left, they were maxed out uh, because we had the right academic support, the right life skills support, the right strength and conditioning, the right nutrition. Um, and we, Nebraska did everything they could for players to make them the best they could be on and off the field. Uh, we got a lot of the right people in place now to make sure that, that we're at the top of college football in that area. And um, I think the development that I've seen from the players is, is a great start toward getting where we want to get. Recruiting's the lifeblood, but development's the silver medal. You're right. Yeah. I have Ron Brown till we had a conversation about this back in August. I was at a practice, and he was like, Greg, it still comes down to what do you do when you get them on campus? Are you making them bigger, stronger, faster, smarter football players? And he says, that's what we've got to get back to doing. Reaching potential. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's something that Nebraska has let go way too many times as a player with a lot of potential and you don't really see it exploited until the next level right you know guys that haven't turned it on at nebraska but for whatever reason can find a way on an nfl roster i think that's that's been a huge problem something else has been a problem has been winning on the road as coaching staff is looking to do that for their first time since taking over coach frost talked about uh the successes or lack thereof on the road in particular yeah we played well on the road uh, we just gotta we gotta learn how to finish one and uh, hopefully we're in a position where we have a chance to do that. Uh, we got to earn the right to have that position. Um, you know, Illinois is going to be ready for us, but um, you know we're not running from that. I want our kids to understand that that's a challenge that we haven't won one on the road yet in in a year in a game. So uh, I think the kids are are excited to go prove something to themselves and to everybody else. I know I am. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's let's have a happy plane ride, can we? I am ready. Yeah, ready for some smiles on an airplane. I'm ready to see a big smile on Nate Roar's face while he's eating that Dove bar. 
Nate Klaus, HuskerOnline.com, who I did not realize would even be a guest on tonight's show until a few hours ago when news broke that Henry Gray is now going to – well, he's committed to be a Cornhusker. Nate, I appreciate the late uh, the late appearance by you, but this is big. This is a good get, isn't it, for Nebraska? Yeah, it's a really good get for Nebraska. Henry Gray ranked as one of the top overall corners in the entire country, uh, ranked as – with rivals as the 200 and best, 210th best recruit in the entire country. Um, and there's a chance that could even go up in the rankings. But, I mean, the bottom line is this is a guy that had offers from Alabama, Miami, Florida, um, Ohio State, Michigan, I mean, pretty much everybody in the country. And Nebraska was able to get him on a visit for, for an official this past weekend, uh, along with his mother and his father. And uh, and they were able to seal the deal. I mean, he was able, he was set to go to Florida for an official visit this weekend, and um, and they were able to get him to cancel that visit and, and go ahead and, and hop aboard uh, for the Big Red here. And uh, so that's that's a very very big deal. And and he comes out of Miami Central, which is one of the top overall programs, not just in the state of Florida, but in the country. I think they're ranked as the number three team in the country or number three team in the state of Florida right now and the number 11th best uh, team in the in the entire nation right now. So, um, you know, big deal on, on several different levels to win Henry Gray today. Nate, is this a surprise? I mean, you, if you go back in the young man's Twitter line and he put out his top eight a few weeks ago, Nebraska wasn't in it. And yet <laughs> here, he, here he comes to Lincoln and commits. How surprising <laughs> is this? Well, and I, you know, I think that's what makes this, um, you know, it's such a, like you said, it's such a surprise. Uh, really, until about this time a week ago, uh, he really wasn't even on the radar of many people as far as him being a legitimate target for Nebraska. Um, and then all of a sudden he, he said that he was taking his official visit to Nebraska. I was able to talk with him. He, he said, oh, yeah, I've been, I've been talking with Fish, Travis Fisher, Nebraska defensive backs coach, for a long time. And, and um, you know, so on and so forth, and so that's. I mean, and that's. And he's not the first kid like this uh, that's kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah, and especially with Travis Fisher, he seems to kind of he operates on a low key level. Uh, and so, while there may not be a bunch of kids on social media, you know, really uh, touting the Huskers and and kind of trying to get attention from the fans, uh, Travis Fisher and the the coaching staff are doing plenty of work, kind of behind the scenes and. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, I think that those are the types of kids that they'd rather have. Is, is maybe not the kids that are about the the attention on social media, but the kids that are about you know doing the right thing and and uh, you know looking for a good spot to to go to school and and play some good football. Nate Klaus is with us from HuskerOnline.com. Uh, it was a a fun night. The atmosphere was great. The, the the result certainly was what we wanted out of the game. And I know there were a handful of visitors. What kind of feedback did you get? from some of the young men that were here in an attendance last week. Yeah, you're right. It was a fun night last Saturday, and, and the atmosphere at night is always tremendous. And, and it had been the first night game that, that, we'd ha- that we'd seen in a while. And so uh, I think to have six official visitors in for that game was, was tremendous. Obviously, Henry Gray, the, the, the most recent commit, was one of them. Uh, you also had a couple defensive linemen out of California, uh, Tuli Tui Pelotu and Nusi Milani, uh, two defensive ends there, Polynesian guys that are that have tremendous relationships with Coach T- Tony Tuioti, um, and, and they were highly, highly impressed, as were their families. 
uh, on the visit. Uh, you had an outside linebacker, Reagan Terry, out of Arizona that was there. And then, uh, you know, Caleb McCullough, uh, who is a, a very impressive linebacker out of California, uh, also on the on the trip. So, um, and then of course Miles Slusher, who's another defensive back, who's actually currently committed to Oregon right now. So uh, he he made the trip up from Oklahoma. So six guys in total, and and like I said, the the feedback that we got from all those guys was just outstanding. Um, and the atmosphere really, really separated, uh, I think, Nebraska from a lot of other schools. Um, a lot of those kids said, you know what, I've been to games before, but I've never quite been to a game or quite seen a fan base like I saw at Nebraska at that night game. And, uh, and they mentioned, you know, one of the one of the kids told me, he said, you know what, um, it, what was crazy is I was sitting next to a couple old ladies in the stands and they were reeling off statistics and talking about the players and they knew everybody on the team, all the coaches and all the <laughs> statistics in Nebraska football history. And he's like, I just, he's like, I just had to sit there and laugh because uh, that's a crazy fan base right there. And, and, um, and, and so it's true. I mean, that's Nebraska fans definitely make an impact when it comes to recruiting uh, just by showing up, you know, 370 straight sellouts. Um, that, that's a really big deal, but also the coaching staff, you know, the, these coaches, um, they take the right approach to recruiting. They are very straightforward. Uh, they're not all about, you know, kind of being slick talkers and wheelers and dealers and, and kind of, you know, selling a bunch of glitz and glamour. Uh, they tell it like it is. And, and I think, especially with some highly recruited kids, it's kind of refreshing to hear that sometimes and, uh, because everyone's got a pitch. Every coach that you're talking to is working an angle. And, and Nebraska – you know, they, they're pretty low pressure, uh, and they lay it all out on the line, and they tell it how it is. And, and it's not for everybody, but for a lot of kids, um, they, they like that approach when, uh, as, as opposed to that slick-talking stuff that they may get at other places. And, and so I think that with uh, Henry Gray pulling the trigger, I think we could see, you know, maybe two or three more out of that, that total of six visitors that we saw last weekend end up being Huskers as well. That'd be great. Well, I got to imagine next weekend's going to be probably equally as big, isn't it, on the recruiting front? Yeah, next weekend, to be honest with you, I think that might be one of the bigger recruiting weekends that that we've seen in an awful long time. Uh, right now, we've already confirmed 11 visitors that are set to, to come in for the weekend, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see you know two or three more additions to that list uh, at least. And uh, I mean, just just. The, not just with football too, but basketball has got a, a ton of big time recruits and they, the, you know, the basketball practice, the opening night that, that is sold out. They've got, you know, Rick Ross is putting on the concert. I mean, it's a night game. There's a possibility of having, you know, ESPN game day on campus. I mean, there's just so much going on next weekend that uh, I think it's, it's been a long time since there's going to be that type of buzz and excitement in the city of Lincoln. I know you and Ben are big Rick Ross fans. I'm going to have to sit on the sideline on that. Uh, this would be a great time to jump on board. I'm sure Husker Online's got a lot of information. It's going to certainly have a lot in the coming weeks. This would be a good time to get signed up, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We've always got the latest on the team and, of course, recruiting. And um, and, and with basketball season starting up, too, at the Fred Hoiberg era, uh, perfect time to hop on board with HuskerOnline.com. Well, great. Speaking of hopping on board, I appreciate Nate. I was no as late notice. We certainly appreciate you coming on and telling us about Henry Gray. It's pretty exciting. You bet. Always a pleasure. Have a good one. 
tonight. It's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. So the Huskies able to advance it from the 11 out to the 35. Huskers come after the kick. They've got it. It's a block punt. The Huskers pick it up at the 25-yard line and have it down to the 21. Isaiah Stahlberg was the one who blocked it. Stahlberg from Cardi, Nebraska, with the block for the Big Red. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Empty set. Huskers pitch it off out of that to Maurice Washington in the 15-10-5. He's in. Touchdown. Maurice Washington on the Jeff Series takes the inside pitch from Martinez, rips off the right side and finds Pater, and Nebraska has him, sells a touchdown here in the first quarter. With the head coach, Scott Frost. Bowers away. Waits the shotgun snap. Back to throw. Looking. Now being flushed. Hit and sacked back at the 24-yard line by Carlos Davis. What a series of plays he's had here. A sack clear back at the 23. Brought to you by Channel Seeds. Find your Channel Seedsman at channel.com. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at buyfordnow.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to the program. Here are the numbers. If you want to be a part of the next 60 minutes, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Nebraska coming off a 44-8 win over Northern Illinois. All in all, you had to be pretty pleased. That was a fairly well-rounded performance by your team in, in pretty much every phase. It was. We can still get a lot better. You know, back and watching the tape, um, I think we did some really good things. There's no question we got better from week two to week three, but uh, there's still a lot of room for improvement. What did you make of Diedrich Mills's performance? He did well. Now we got we got to hold on to the ball, and um, turnovers are a huge part in whether we win or lose, so we're working on that. But overall, I thought he, he ran smarter, more patient, hit holes well, uh, broke a couple big runs for us, and, and he had a good game. He played like we expected him to. How does he do it? Picking up blitzers, those type of things, that part of the game. He practices his butt off. Um, I got to tell you, he came in. He has a great attitude. He's learning every week. Uh, he's physical. So if there's anybody on our team that's going to get in front of a linebacker and stone him, it's him. Maurice Washington had a great game. I know you didn't play him in the second half, but he had some big plays, explosive plays. And we've seen quite a bit of that out of Mo his first couple years. And great example of what he can do Saturday night. He's a weapon. Uh, we just got to find ways to get him the ball. Uh, probably can't give it to him 30 times a game. I um, don't know if he could hold up for that, but as, you know, as many times as the ball is in his hands, um, we're going to be a better team. And I know at the end, you got to play a bunch of guys. As a coach, you have to love that. You have to see young men who've been out there practicing hard in spring and during August get a chance to, to go show the crowd what they do. And that number two offense had a heck of a drive, a little nine-play, 42-yard drive. It was good to see. You know, that's the way it, it used to be around here. Those guys are itching to get in the ball game, can't wait to get in, go in and, and play their tails off when they get a chance to. And I saw a lot of that come out of our second team, uh, both on offense and defense. Yeah, I was going to say, when we talk about the offense because they scored, the defense didn't give up any points when you put a lot of those subs in either. Yeah, it says a lot about your team when your twos go in and play well. Um, we're moving in the right direction. We still don't have the depth that I'd like to have in – certain places but uh, there's a lot of guys that are anxious for their opportunity we had a chance to see some some true freshmen who had not played in weeks one or two and I, I know you're a big fan of the new rule that allows you to play them up to four games and that that was one probably for a couple guys yeah uh, we're managing that and monitoring it closely and trying to make decisions on 
which four games to play the guys in that we expect to redshirt and making decisions on other guys whether they're redshirting or not and injuries are going to dictate some of that and their readiness is going to dictate some of that but we're trying to keep track of it as well as we can you would have loved to have been did you get to do that when you were at Stanford your first year did you sit or did you get to play no I played some my my freshman year and which was good because I used my redshirt year when I came back and was ineligible to play Man, that, it just—I think that's going to be a changing rule for through college football. It's one of the good things the NCAA has been able to do. Um, let's talk about the offensive line. That that group has—it looked like that group made progress in week in week three as well. Have you, you have you seen progress with that that five? Definitely seen progress, and I think you will continue to. Um, that wasn't an easy game for the offensive linemen to play in just because of the different looks they gave us. Um, I've said this, but they came out in something completely different than what they'd shown and we hadn't prepared for. And, um, you know, as we get more experience, we'll be able to handle those things a lot better. Uh, there was a lot of movement up front, a lot of linebackers blitzing and running through gaps, and I thought the offensive line uh, handled it pretty well. The snapping has not been an issue really since week one. That's that's got to be great progress from from Jurgens. What you've seen him and and the growth that he's had in his game. Yeah, you know, people know we've been high on on Cam and what he can do. Um, we got to remember he's playing in his fourth football game in a long time uh, this Saturday. Uh, he's going to continue to improve every week, and um, the snaps have been better and his play's been really good. Your defensive front got a lot of headlines in August in practice and the way they played. They've carried that in, haven't they, the first three games. That group has played really well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we got a lot of depth there, which keeps those guys fresh. And um, they've been physical. We're doing pretty well against the run right now. Uh, got a big test this week. This running back's really good, and I think their schemes are good. So uh, we need to make sure it carries over to this week. You were asked at your press gathering today about Keem Green, the junior college defensive lineman. Um, your thoughts about what you've seen of him? He got here second week, I think, of camp. What have you seen from him, and what do you, what's your plan, the perfect world plan for this year? Well, when he's ready to play, we're going to play him. And if that means he's ready with four games left, then great. We save a year. Um, I think that's kind of what he's expecting and thinking right now, and, and we'll see where it goes. But he, he's got a ton of talent. Uh, he just needs to get familiar with our schemes and, and honestly had to get in shape a little bit, and he's making progress every week. When you were at UCF, did you rotate the line like you're doing here? I mean, you, it's basically three in, three out, three in, three out most of the time. You know, in a perfect world, that happens in more positions. Uh, we're doing it on the D-line right now. I'd love to see a more of a rotation at linebacker to keep guys fresh in the secondary, uh, even on the offensive line. Um, even my senior year playing, we had guys rotating in uh, different series, so we're not grinding the guys too much. And as our depth improves, we'll be able to do even more of that. You know this because you were in this seat once as a player. The quarterback in Nebraska certainly is under the microscope so much. What have you made of Adrian's play through three games? Well, he's getting better, and I, I've said it a bunch. I wouldn't trade him for anybody else in the country for what we do. Um, I think he knows he can still play better. Uh, our whole offense can play better. At times, we've looked great. Um, at times, we've kind of stubbed our own toe a little bit, and we haven't been consistent enough. Um, sometimes it's the quarterback, sometimes it's not, and it looks like the quarterback. Uh, Adrian's, you know, still just in his sophomore year too, and uh, the sky's the limit for him. So um, I'm glad we got him, and he's gonna he's gonna play well this week and going forward. How big of a critic of himself is is he? Is he hard on himself? Yeah, and as, you know, as a player, you can't be too hard on yourself. You got to be hard on hard enough on yourself to make the improvements when they're necessary, but. 
uh, you can't let anything get you down either. And, you know, he's, he's responsible for large majority of the good plays that we've had this year. Um, maybe a couple of the not good ones, but that's going to happen in any player and in any, any game. So, um, you know, we're going to continue to ride him and he's going to take us uh, to as far as we're going to go. Your backup quarterback looked pretty good Saturday night. Yeah, Noah's been practicing really well too. So, um, you know, we're in so much better place at the quarterback spot with with Noah uh, ready to go and and a couple other guys waiting in the wings. Luke McCaffrey, still like him? Luke's doing great. Um, obviously, he hasn't been getting as many reps right now because we're trying to get guys ready to play, but I think the future's bright for him too. Welcome back. It's our Nebraska football hour for the week. Head coach Scott Frost in studio till the top of the hour. Here are the numbers, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Let's go to the phones. Jack in Omaha, you're up next. Go ahead, Jack. Hey, Coach. Uh, this is uh, mostly a kudos to you and your staff. And um, I know I drive my wife crazy because just about every play I'm counting the number of guys in the field, specifically on defense and it seemed like for the first couple of games there maybe some substitution difficulties, maybe down by the goal line. I think you saw that with the first touchdown Colorado put in. We only had a handful of guys. We had one guy missing. Uh, but just, you know, in the last game, definitely an improvement and see any issues there. But I'm curious, is, is there a, a different way that substitutions are done that maybe made that more challenging in the first couple of games? Uh, that's kind of a broad question. There's some different pieces to that. You know, I have guys on offense checking every play to tell me if we have the wrong number, so I might be able to use a timeout if I can. Um, right now, I think on defense, uh, we have a bunch of different substitution groups and a bunch of defensive groups uh, try to match what we're, other teams are doing. Uh, hopefully in the future there won't be as many, but right now uh, we have – quite a few you know nickel dime and cinco and base and big and um you know that's just kind of where we are right now um you know there's a couple problems that i think the defense uh, made some mistakes some others that weren't their fault and that's about all i can say about that but um everything's getting better and every time an issue arises if we haven't anticipated it our, our staff is doing everything they can to get it fixed how much of that can you simulate in practice? And you probably do simulate that a lot, don't you? We do. Uh, there's still no substitute for a game. You guys have to be dialed in and know when their group is called and get out there. And um, other guys have to get off. And there's a lot of communication that has to happen. And, um, you know, hopefully we won't see those problems anymore. Send back to Omaha. Doc of Rock, you're up with the head coach. Good evening. Hey, pleasure to talk to you tonight, guys. Coach, how's it going? Going pretty well. <laughs> right on. Hey, uh, offensive line, just real quick. Um, I know we tried that swing pass in the end zone and uh, resulted in safety. safety. Um, we were down deep again, decided to put hands under center and kind of did what you did, seven, and, uh, you know, got three or four yards or two or three, whatever it was. So that kind of shows me that, you know, it isn't a strength deal when you're talking about, okay, how's this offensive line doing through uh, – three games so I, I think you kind of see where I'm going with that um, young players obviously experience uh, reps I think they're going to get it done and uh, very excited with the uh, direction the program's headed so go big red I appreciate it yeah the the safety it might have been a bad call by me um, we got to get our guys prepped to, there's one guy that the 
two inside receivers were looking to block and they kind of both thought the other guy was going to block them and uh, we didn't have our guys prepared well enough for that if they get him blocked that's a big play um, so that it, you know we, we were trying to get those things fixed uh, it wasn't that I didn't trust our guys to run it out of there uh, we just thought that was potential for a big play and I didn't think we were going to lose four and a half yards on it or whatever yeah. it was um, I think the offensive line you know like a lot of other spots on offense is still young you know we got a young center and a young left guard and juniors everywhere else and um, they're getting more used to playing together I think they're playing better I still want to see us get more movement in the run game it's been improving every week but just being on a guy is different than than moving them um, and just a little bit of movement at one position or another on some of our run plays will create the vertical seams that we need to get the backs through. Um, it was a lot better last week, and I expect it to be even better this week. We saw another young offensive lineman, Brock Bando, get some time when Hymas went out with the, with the injury in the fourth quarter. How did he score? He did well. Did he? Um, yeah, and he's been improving. Um, I think he can help us at guard or tackle wherever we need him, and uh, he's a guy that, that we're counting on uh, when his number's called. Another young guy. Yep. I think he's a sophomore. Yep. Let's uh, stay in Lincoln. Bill, you're up next with the head coach. Thanks. Uh, coach, uh, I know we talk about making adjustments. You know, I think we generally refer to the coaches making adjustments. But I'm wondering uh, how much uh, responsibility is there to the individual players, probably talking about uh, offensive line as much as anything, making adjustments on their own when they see a different alignment that uh, they've not – seen before not anticipated yeah that's a great question and, and really the answer to that is the more experienced the guys are the easier those things get um, we try to rep our guys on the plays we're running against people's base looks and against pressures against movements against everything that we think they might see uh, there's answers built in on our plays for um, anything that we think we might see and the more times our guys see those the easier it gets so I think as our guys get more experience, uh, they're going to be able to breeze through some of those tests and, and make the adjustments they need to to make the plays. Does Adrian have the ability to check off at all? In, on certain plays he does. does. He? Uh, on most of our plays, there's answers built in, whether it's hot routes or getting the ball out to the perimeter. Um, we'll block some things different ways depending on what the defense has given us. So most plays have answers built in, but there's cer certain things we don't like against certain looks, and, and Adrian has the green light to get us out of it. Is he getting better at that phase of it yeah he he knows it really well um i think it's not knowing what to do and what not to do it's just recognizing it in the heat of the moment and as fast as we play are are people defending him maybe differently now that they have a full year of tape on him are they spying him more maybe um they're definitely aware of where he is um you know some of our run plays that he broke that were wide open last year uh, people have seen him on tape and are accounting for him but um, he still has the ability to get his yards let's go back to the phones up to West Point Pete good evening Pete you're up with the head coach good evening good evening coach Frost how you doing doing well how about you oh just heading home from work <laughs> got a question for you I actually got a question and a comment uh, in your um, experience, what's the take on an offensive lineman to come in as a freshman and to really fully develop? Does it take a year, two years, three years? You know, what kind of a time frame do you do you expect on development on on an offensive lineman? And the second part is, uh, way back when you were in high school, a senior quarterback, I took my uh, 
brother-in-law tried to get him interested in football. I took him down to a Battle Creek game. I think it was a playoff game, if I remember correctly. And we were sitting on the 50-yard line, and we seen this person just winging the ball 50 yards in the air with a nice tight spiral. And looked down there, and I said, Mogi, is that Frost? He said, I don't think so. I think Frost is taller than that. I said, well, go down there and get a get a program. So he went down and got a program and started looking at it. I thought, well, maybe Frost is hurt. So we looked down at the bottom and come find out it was your mom. Your mom could throw a pretty nice spiral. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, she's still anyway, we're glad, we're, we're glad you're here. I really appreciate what you stand for as a human being. I appreciate the way you're running the program. Sometimes uh, us people, so all we want to do is win, but what's most important is how we treat the kids and how we guide them into to manhood. So just want to tell you thanks and sure glad you're here. Thank you. I guess the the first part of that, uh, you know, I think the hardest positions to come in and play early are, are offensive and defensive lines, is because of the f- physical development that's necessary. Uh, there's, but there's still some freshmen that are ready. Um, so it, it's just kind of on an individual basis when somebody really cuts it loose and plays with the aggressiveness and physical nature that they need to, knows the scheme as well as they need to. Uh, I think we have some young guys that are close and a couple others that probably need a year. Uh, in the weight room and on the field to be ready. Um, you know, talk about my mom throwing. She's always been the person I played catch with. Even when I was a college quarterback, I'd go home and throw to her. And But I thought you were going to say uh, Chad Wiles. Uh, my backup quarterback in high school at Wood River was a, a guy named Chad Wiles that came down here and played baseball and football at the university and was a really good athlete. So we had a few people at, at Wood River that could throw pretty well. Hymas played as a true freshman, and Ben Hart's on your two deep. He's close. Bryce is probably. Yeah, Bryce is growing every day. Um, not growing. Hopefully not growing taller. He's <laughs> he's tall enough, uh, but he's getting better every day. Some of the other young linemen we have um, really good feeling about too. Um, so we're bringing them along, and I don't think it'll be too long before some of them are ready to go. But let's start the hour by talking to Teddy. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate. But his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, Thursday night, it's time to talk to the man from the Windy City. And, you know, you uh, you did better on your picks last week. We gave you some trouble that you weren't very good in week two, but you bounced back in a big way. Well, I take tremendous pride in uh, these guesses, <laughs> which, which we call picks, because uh, as somebody told me, Greg, when you get into the profession of sports writing, you will be asked for two things, tickets and predictions. <laughs> so I usually can't come through on the uh, tickets, although, you know, when I'm covering it, when I was covering the White Sox, that was an easy one. Somebody asked me for a White Sox ticket, I would say, yeah, I can get you 30,000 tickets for tomorrow night's game. So, so that was that was always an easy request. But now that it's college football and, say, my Ohio State friends are hitting me up for Ohio State-Northwestern tickets, I kind of I kind of pass. But getting back to it, yeah, the picks were good, man. I actually started uh, 10-0, and finished 10-2. and I realize uh, a 10-0, and 0, uh, a 10-team parlay pays 825-1. to 1. Oh, So that oh. would have been pretty tasty had I, had, I, <laughs> had I been stupid enough to gamble. 
But uh, yeah, good good week last week. But the the one game I was completely wrong on was uh, a game I think you're you're pretty well familiar with. I picked NIU plus the fourteen against Nebraska. You know, I was under the I was under the trance of the Huskies after spending uh, time with them last week uh, behind the scenes, and obviously uh, that was a, a nice win for Nebraska. Let's see if they can uh, do it again here. Yeah, traveling into your state this weekend to take on Illinois, who got tripped up yeah. by Eastern Michigan. How hot's the seat, Teddy, getting for Lovey Smith? Yeah, it's one of those things where I think a lot of Illinois fans have, have just come to accept, all right, this is not working. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of people about recruiting, and they say Lovey really has not made inroads with Chicago coaches. and. It's just not surprising. You know, I don't want to say it's a young man's game because there are certainly older coaches that can succeed. And look, I mean, a guy like Les Miles is uh, is finding a good formula at Kansas. But the recruiting element is such that at Illinois, it's a really tough spot. You've got, you know, a bad kind of atmosphere for game day. You're at a basketball school. Um, There are not a lot of players to, to, you know, to recruit in central Illinois. So you need a guy whose entire life and livelihood is going to depend on getting players because at Illinois you can't, and every every place you cannot win without players. And with Lovey, you just feel like, you know, he's already an accomplished guy. Like he's already made his money. He's made his reputation at the NFL, great success with the Bears. And, um, you know, I think he'd much rather be coaching in the NFL and not having to text 15 and 16 year olds. So he hasn't had very good players. Um, He's had kind of a revolving door quarterback. He's had a lot of assistant coaches who have left, I think, probably because they realize this could be Lovey's last year, and I think it probably will end up being Lovey's last year. So, you know, bad home loss last week to Eastern Michigan, and now obviously the the Huskers come to town, and, um, you know, that offense was looking great. So huge, uh, huge game for both teams on Saturday. Yeah, it's not a good sign when when I read in their notes that they're going to allow the students in for free. That's not a good look, right? I know it's one of those things where I think the school puts that out because, you know, they want some good publicity and it ends up uh, looking bad because it's like, wow, man. I mean, if they got to stoop to that level, that's pretty bad. Now at Illinois, you do have to stoop to that play. You know, you do have to do things like that because there was a game last year where they hosted Iowa and the people who were in, uh, in attendance of that game, the media guys said it was the worst atmosphere they've ever seen for a big 10 game. I mean, I think there were, 150 students there so oh. the place looked empty totally embarrassing oh. so you can't have that especially in prime time so i think it is very smart of illinois to do that but when you do it that's definitely gonna you know be shining a spotlight on the fact that people will not pay to see your product especially uh, 18 to 22 year olds right now the coach that's that seat's gotten pretty warm is mark d'antonio and he's coming to chicago to take on northwestern this week uh, that was that was an embarrassing loss for them at home. I know ASU yeah. maybe is better, but you can't lose that game at home, right? Yeah, Greg, that was really confounding. And I mean, they were you know fourteen and a half point favorites. I mean, Arizona State is is not much to to brag about. Um, so I think people at least thought they were going to win that game seventeen to three, something like that. And instead, you've got this you know kind of toxic mix on offense of. Uh, you know, penalties and uh, turnovers and missed field goals. And then, you know, the, the real kick in the, in the groin is when you have 12 guys uh, lining up for a field goal try. That is just mm-hmm. a, a total embarrassment to your coaching staff. You know, then on top of it, 
the Pac-12 refs miss a completely obvious jumping over the line call, uh, which D'Antonio complains about, and that even though he's totally right, makes him look even worse. You know, when your team is unprepared and you lose at home as a two-touchdown favorite, but then you're, you know, criticizing the refs, that's not a good look. So uh, it's kind of in a mode right now of same old Sparty where, it's a great defense. It's a defense that allows less than one yard per carry on the rush. Um, you know, the, the pass defense is also good, but it's just a seesaw that is so tilted in one direction. Um, you know, a good defense that uh, is not going to not gonna produce a lot of wins because they can't score. So let's see what happens with Northwestern. Obviously, the Cats have only played two games, looked brutal at Stanford, looked solid against UNLV, Hunter Johnson, uh, is starting to justify the hype. He threw a lot of deep balls that actually did not get caught, so his numbers could have been better. But, uh, you know, a, a spot here where Michigan State is a huge favorite for reasons that uh, definitely confound me. What? Why? Well, how can they be almost a double-digit fan? That just makes no sense to me. And, and Northwestern's kind of owned this series in recent years. Yeah, I mean, look at it this way. Like, over the last three years, Michigan State has been an average favorite of five points and Northwestern has won all three of those games. Um, you know, two of them quite easily two by, I think by 14 points and 10 points and a third, they needed three overtimes, but you know, three wins straight over Michigan state. And then, and then look at this Northwestern 13, six and one as an underdog in its last 20 Mark D'Antonio three and 10 as a road favorite. And yet that spread came out, at six and a half and keeps climbing. It was as high as 10 earlier in the week. So either somebody knows something or people are just not paying attention to, uh, to history or last week's games. I, I think Northwestern wins outright. That's, that's my pick. All right. One game that will, should be a real, real fun one is up in Madison. The, the yes. Badgers host Michigan. You got a feel for this game at all? Yeah, I mean, it just it just seems so obvious. How do you not love Wisconsin here? And obviously, the Badgers have looked spectacular, uh, outscoring their opponents 110 to nothing. You know, one of them was against South Florida, pretty respectable opponent. Jonathan Taylor looks great. Jack Cohn, who was really wobbly last year as a quarterback, ha- has looked really good thus far. Defense uh, probably can't complain about since they've again allowed zero points. And on the flip side, you got a Michigan team that that never seems to do well away from the big house. Uh, you know, I was looking at some of these numbers. I mean, Michigan is 8-6 and six on the road since 2016. And in this series, the home team has won nine of the last ten. <laughs> so I think the only reason to like Michigan is if they get two of their absolute best players back. And we're talking about left tackle John Runyon and Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is an absolute burner at a receiver and um return guys so if you go with the theory that oh yeah they look bad against army but oklahoma also looked bad against army and you think michigan's going to get you know two of its best players back and you think okay maybe they're due you pick michigan but i I, i'm not going to do that i think it's going to be uh definitely wisconsin yeah well you were in south bend last week to kind of check up on the irish they they maybe have the biggest game of saturday in college football and that's down against georgia but they're a big time underdog do they have any shot in this game They are. I mean, look, don't trust me because I'm the idiot who thought they had a great shot to beat Clemson. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend. You know, it's just hard for me after seeing Notre Dame that dominant and, you know, pull out a couple new basically um, skill guys 
to think that Notre Dame is more than two touchdowns worse than anybody. But nationally, it seems like everybody thinks Georgia is just going to absolutely trounce them. You know, Notre Dame has two interesting dudes. There's a, there's a receiver named Javon McKinley. He's in his fourth year, and he really had done nothing until this season except get arrested. Uh, Brian Kelly said he was like, you know, basically a figment in cyberspace, you know, a guy who really wasn't doing anything productive, but getting, uh, you know, probably was very close to getting thrown out of school. Anyway, he had a couple touchdowns against New Mexico. This kid, Avery Davis, who has gone back and forth from running back to cornerback, he looked great on like a little jet sweep flip. So Notre Dame, I think, has some horses. Uh, They have a veteran quarterback, and Ian Book. They have a good defense. You know, maybe, again, maybe it'll be like last year. Maybe it'll be like... You know, that game's going to come on and it'll be 17 nothing at the end of the first quarter. And I'm going to be like, damn, man, I got fooled again because it's just different classes of football teams. But I think uh, Notre Dame's got enough to keep it respectable, at least, uh, you know, better than 14 and a half points. I would think so, too. I just think their offensive line's good enough that they ought to be able to at least move the ball and run the clock a little bit and shorten the game down. I, that, but, hey, these lines this week have been baffling to me all the way up and down the line. All right, what, what's your plan? What, what are you doing Saturday? I am going to check out that Sparty Northwestern game. It sets up really nicely. I, I love when Northwestern plays at 11 a.m. You can get there, you can get get my work done, be home by you know five o'clock, dig in on uh, on the afternoon games. Not really, not a very appealing Big Ten slate in the middle of the day. I think it's only Miami of Ohio uh, against Ohio State, um, but I think that Auburn A and M game is at two thirty Central Time. And then uh, certainly dig in for, for the night games. One, I'm curious about your game. Certainly want to see uh, how well Nebraska plays in Champaign. And then certainly we'll be watching that Notre Dame game with great curiosity, hoping uh, both those provide some entertainment. No doubt. All right. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk next week. Thank you, Greg. Be well, buddy. Tomorrow night we will be in Champaign. I think we can get Nate Rohr to come be part of that one tomorrow night, or will he already be out on the town? Might take our best recruiting effort to get him to stop by. But if we if we tag team it, I think we might be able to do it. Okay. So Ben and I'll be there. But uh, Nate's on the trip, so we'll just his, his social calendar fills up quickly. So we'll just see if we can get him. I, I'm just honored sometimes I can walk by him in the hallway to yeah. say hi. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be in Champaign tomorrow night. We're not out at any location. You might have some Husker fans ask if we're going to be somewhere. We are not. We're just going to be kind of holed up at the hotel, but broadcasting the show from there tomorrow night. So we'll have all the latest on the Oscars as they get ready for this road game. There's a pretty big football game tomorrow night, college football, as USC hosts Utah. Pretty big Pac-12 South matchup tomorrow night. And as uh, all these conferences starting to get into league play now, this is when it's going to start really getting fun. Can't wait. I mean, this is what we wait all off season for. You know, the this these types of games, and um, yeah, I'm, I can't wait. And it starts at 11 a.m. with Wisconsin and Michigan. That'll be fun. We'll have that game at 11. You also have Northwestern Michigan State at 11. Kind of as Teddy mentioned earlier on in the hour. The early games, pretty good window. And then the after, middle of the afternoon, the Big Ten, I think you have Ohio State, Miami of Ohio. Yawn. I'm out. Take your nap and get ready to watch the Huskers that night. I'm out on that one. We can't take a nap. We'll be on the air with the opening drive starting at 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. So uh, tomorrow night from Champaign, we'll have our normal Friday show. We'll have Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network. We'll have our Big Ten picks. I have no idea where I stand on the – I know I picked Maryland to lose. 
That's did that, you? Yeah. Wow, good for you. But I don't know how I did on the other ones. I did not. Do Probably that. not well. If I don't Last remember, it's not not a good week. I know I had Iowa State. Yep. So I did, did I. I didn't. I didn't get that one right. All right. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Mick, to all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Talk to you tomorrow night from Champaign, Illinois. Good night.